Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 8, Episode 5. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of Project Voice. We've got a great episode, great panel of guests on for you today. Before we get into it, I want to take a moment. Uh, if you have not seen the information about Project Voice 2023, we will include that in the notes. Um, we're starting to get into the window of getting closer to the conference, getting a lot of inquiries. Also, the Conversational AI Leadership Council, we have talked about that a little bit publicly. There's a lot more to come. Uh, we announced that over email this week, um, and we'll be talking a whole lot more about it. Uh, this weekend, there should be a, a part of ProjectVoice.ai that goes up talking about what that is and how that's incorporated in the conference. 400 or so people will sign a new ethics and integrity charter around LLM-based AI models at the conference. It will be newsworthy. Uh, we'll be talking much more about it. Today, we're thrilled to have a great panel of guests um, and uh, some interesting stories as well. Um, Heath, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, if you don't mind, tell us who you are, tell us who you're with. Uh, sure, uh, I'm Heath Ahrens. Uh, I'm the founder of voice.ai. And uh, we're a uh, UGC platform that's community driven where users can create uh, voices in order to change their voice. So it's a voice to voice platform. It works in real time uh, today on PC and tomorrow on other platforms. Excellent. Yeah. And I love the domain voice.ai. You can't, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, thank you for joining us. We appreciate yeah, you. Pleasure. Next up, we've got Ivan Lee. And tell me if I'm mispronouncing that of data store. Ivan, how are you? That's correct. I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my name's Ivan. I'm the CEO and founder here at datasore.ai. Um, bit of background. I've been in the machine learning space for the past decade. Uh, I used to be on the other side of the table building machine learning um, solutions at different companies. Uh, most recently, I was at Apple, where uh, I led, amongst other responsibilities, a lot of their data labeling efforts. Um, so it was through that experience that I realized there were a lot of solutions focused on computer vision, but very few were going after NLP. Uh, and so we built a solution that specifically focuses on everything NLP, whether that is text, pure text data, PDFs, audio transcripts. Um, we help label all the data that feeds the models that we'll be talking about today. Nice to meet you all. <clears throat> Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for being part of the show with us. Next up, we got Mitch Lieberman. Mitch, say hello. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mitch Lieberman, uh, currently with uh, Conversational X, uh, more on the practitioner side. So I, I keep a foot in many different camps, um, consultative, enterprise, software side. And most of my background is in contact center and customer service. And I'll be coming down to the conference to talk about future of contact center. So my passion is contact center. Um, wish I'm I'm going to be joining um, a large financial services company very shortly. Can't quite announce who yet, um, but that'll be known at the, at the conference because I really like to keep my um, you know finger in the what's going on and then actually implement it for large institutions. And I spent time in healthcare as well, and it was a tremendous amount of fun and doing a lot of thinking about how these models fit inside the enterprise. Um, and when we get into it last week, I was really excited. Now I'm a little bit more nervous. <laughs> uh, it's understandable. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll get into that and uh, all of that in just a moment. 
Um, we're thrilled to have Renero Romagnoli and Renero, tell me if I'm mispronouncing that from Alma Wave. Say hello. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a good pronunciation. My name is Raniero Romagnoli again. I'm Chief Technology Officer of Alma Wave. Alma Wave is a, a an AI and data company uh, headquartered in Italy with uh, presence uh, in different countries in Europe and uh, and South America with several uh, customers in these regions. Uh, working on uh, products and services in AI, we have our own uh, composite AI based uh, sort of um, conversational platform, uh, speech analytics, a search engine, uh, working with big data and AI core skills to address uh, specifically vertical business needs uh, and trying to deep dive information and simplifying, let's say, human to machine interactions, especially in complex environments. Excellent. Thank you for being part of the show with us. <clears throat> so with that, we're going to get to the news and we've got some interesting stories here and uh two of them combined for uh for our number one i'm going to read the headlines from fortune microsoft's chat gpt powered bing is getting unhinged and argumentative some users say it quote feels sad and scared <laughs> Uh, and then the other one, uh, this is from Fox News, ChatGPT AI accused of liberal bias after refusing to write Hunter Biden New York Post coverage. So uh, I've remarked on this show before, um, as ChatGPT has emerged, that we're starting to see a little bit of pattern recognition with some stuff that was brought up about Alexa when Alexa exploded onto the scene um, years ago. And... Um, I'm curious, you know, we talked about ChatGPT, obviously that's not going anywhere, these LLM-based models, but I want to get the panel's thoughts on uh, these stories. Uh, first of all, uh, and Heath, I'm going to start with you and go in the same order that we did the intros in for this. Um, what, if anything, stood out in particular to you about these two stories and how much of a threat it, to chat GPT and similar other models is um, uh, the fact that they don't answer everything politically uh, like we might like them to all the time. Just share share with us your thoughts. Sure. I mean, uh, as a guy who's been in NLU uh, for a long time, uh, you know, I, I built iSpeech, which was the first uh, cloud text-to-speech platform. And we had a NLU engine that we built and, 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 you know, building language models is something I've, I've done for a long time. I could tell you that ChatGPT feels absolutely nothing. It couldn't care less what it quote unquote knows. Uh, it, it's a system that's generating prompts based on uh, statistics and what it's learned uh, based on, you know, the, the, the text that, that it was uh, fed and nothing more and nothing less. So when, you know, th these are articles that, you know, they're trying to make this bleed so that they can put it up on, on you know, an interesting page. And that's a lot of what, you know, is, is typical journalism. Uh, you know, they want people to feel scared. And, you know, how do I make people scared of AI? Well, it's sad or it's angry. And that's the really scary stuff is when AI gets angry. There's no biology. It doesn't have dopamine receptors. It can't get happy or angry or sad. It's just repeating based on statistics what it knows. Now, in terms of the prompt generation, that could be uh, a little bit interesting 
because you know there could be some programming on the on the on the front end NLU uh, not actually querying the language model and saying nope, not going to answer anything about Hunter Biden. So if that's actually the case, we need to do a little bit more research into that to see if it's just an isolated incident where they said, hey, here's a list of politicians, don't say anything about them or their kids, and you know, and that's how that was programmed, or if it was specific. And I, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Threatening, though, I mean. I don't really think so. No, yeah, no, that's that's. Uh, I'm I'm mostly on the same page with you, uh, Ivan. I'm going to go to you. Um, so you heard what Heath just said in his response to uh, the two articles and kind of the backlash that we're starting to see against ChatGPT a little bit. Your thoughts? Certainly, I want to. Um, I appreciate what Heath said there, and I want to build on that. Uh, I think as humans, we have a tendency to humanize to anthropomorphize anything that we encounter right we've done this for our entire history um with our pets uh even with the very first kind of robots that came about right the simo robot we just wanted to make them uh see them in our own image and so there's a little bit of that going on there's a little bit of uh headline clickbaiting going on right we have hundreds of millions of people playing around with this, uh, testing out different prompts. We're going to find ways to make it say things that are very um, media uh, media attention grabbing. And so uh, I can appreciate all of that. This was always going to be a risk, right? We are on the cutting edge here. Uh, Microsoft just announced this, made this widely available. Um, and I think the the risk, the product risk of releasing something like this is that it is hard to predict all the different ways that it's going to respond to the many new prompts coming in. Um, and we'll always be able to kind of gamify um, the results. The final thing I wanna say here is just a reminder that this is unfortunately the, the way that society is um, going to continue for, for a little while here, where the tech companies, there's going to be individual PMs being forced to essentially recreate policies that governments spent decades building up over time, right? And we're having to reinvent that now. So what is a credible news outlet? What isn't? Uh, what is politically correct? What is acceptable for something like this to say? Those Some of those lines are being drawn in real time, and they're probably reacting to these same headlines and these news stories and making adjustments over time, right? So this is just what happens when technology is evolving at this rapid clip. Uh, so we just have to take into consideration this is barely even a beta. This is probably still an alpha stage of a brand new product. <clears throat> Excellent. Mitch, I'm going to go to you. Um, you heard, uh, you've heard Heath, you've heard Ivan. Um, comment uh, with their thoughts about these articles. It's just interesting kind of to see right. how some of this backlash is represented on the printed page. Uh, your thoughts? I, I think they uh, completely agree with what's been stated so far. It's, um, there, there's no disagreement. Um, I look at it, my, you know, a practical lens, you know, perception is reality and people have come to depend on certain things, Google, Bing, search engines to give them answers of precision and accuracy, right? And, and these large language models, and, and this group, um, you know, goes deeper into the tech stack than I do, but they're probabilistic. They're not deterministic. So therefore, I'm probably going to give you a good answer, but I'm not certain I'm going to give you a good answer. So when we, when chat GPT was introduced in November, 
and the models were much earlier than that, the playgrounds were available, people started to really look at it and say, oh, these are fun answers, it's storytelling, it's paraphrasing, it's summarization. And I get they get it, it was a unique place. When we moved it to a search engine, we definitely changed things a fair amount and opened ourselves up to this sort of scrutiny because people go to a search engine. Um, I don't know, my, my, my significant other, when she goes to a search engine and it says the store is gonna be open at eight, if it's not open at eight, I have a problem, right? <laughs> so, so that's the, you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave it there. It's that it's, you know, we, we definitely moved, did we move it too fast into the land of search engine? You know, I stated recently on LinkedIn, I don't want to chat with my search engine. I want it to work like Google Maps. I'm here and I want to go there. Tell me how to do it. So I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on here. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I think uh, that you're, you raised some interesting points with that. And Raniero, I want to go to you and sort of give you your chance to opine on this as well, just with your line of sight with Alma Wave and all the stuff that y'all do. Interesting couple of articles. Uh, what stood out, if anything, and, you, and your thoughts? Yeah, um, of course, I agree with what has been uh, said. Uh, we work a lot on natural language processing. We have and we had, uh, we are continuing building our own technology, also, of course, also using uh, using what's out there, state of the art. Uh, but as been said, it has been said that, um, you know, let me rephrase it. You can think of a large language model as a simulator that uh, can predict next piece of text, let me say. So there is no real chain of thoughts, reasoning and things like that. Uh, so the answer would be the most probabilistic, uh, let me say reasonable one, okay, for them. And, and this, uh, uh, this needs attention from us that build AI and from of course OpenAI even more uh, and, and Microsoft that, it put, that has been putting that uh, onto the search engines. Actually it can accompany as a use case, a search engine uh, enriching it in a chat-like or chat GPT still uh, style like uh, uh, type of answers, um, we cannot think of it as an oracle that will give us the answer. Also, because as we all know, and and I think uh, Mitch was saying that it's not a deterministic machine. There will be errors, and the funny part is that uh, it's incredibly uh, good at answering, but at the same time it's incredibly uh, wrong when it's wrong, okay? It's uh, as the old, all the AI do. So we think of it as a massive superpower te technique or technology. Then when there is a mistake, it's a silly mistake. And then we, you know, put the gun at it. The, uh, no, that's great comments all the way around. The, uh, the, the politics of this is kind of interesting to me, like I said, just from the, the, a straight up pattern recognition point, we did a lot of stories on this show seasons ago, season one for sure, probably season two and three about um, various political stuff related to Alexa, Google Assistant and whatnot. Um, and, and consistently the stories were uh, liberal saying you'd you didn't go far enough in what you did while conservatives saying you went too far, you know, and this Hunter Biden story sort of has a little bit of that. It, I will point out how fascinating it is that the Fox News story does not take very much time to explain what ChatGPT is. In other words, it's just understood what it is. 
uh, for that audience. Uh, I think there's an interesting commentary there too. Um, but I, I just wonder if, if we're just going to have to deal with this for all these large language models <clears throat> or if there's some better way to do it. I, I Last week on the show, we talked about a... Um, uh, I forget even who tweeted it. It was some some news source uh, on the right that observed that when you ask ChatGPT to sing a song praising Joe Biden, it comes up with this like lengthy, like crazy composition. And then when you ask it to sing a song about Trump <laughs> with the precisely the same phrasing to the prompt, uh, it says, I'm sorry, I, that, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not allowed to be political about things like this. And uh, this person who I saw talk about that was very uh, uh, put off by that. Um, but, uh, you know, the thought back during the Alexa days when Alexa was hitting its peak was that this type of thing was going to keep Alexa from maximizing its potential. And I think there's probably a debate you know, now that Alexa's kind of plateaued, they're trying to figure out what to do next. Um, I think you could argue whatever side of that you wanted to. I'm going to open this up to all four of y'all if someone has a strong opinion. Will politics get in the way of LLM-based models growing and reaching their full potential or not? I'll jump in with just, and is... I think it's the whether you know this audience, um, this this group right here is has a is deep rooted in what I call kind of the baseline NLP and NLU under that, and I think we're missing that these LLM LLM models, and I I want this expert audience or the expert team, sorry to chime in, doesn't understand. I mean that was that was a point that doesn't made. It it predicts it predicts mathematically the most likely next word. Um, and by the way, I encourage everybody, Stephen Wolfram put out a, I haven't seen this in a long time, an 80 minute read, which goes way deep. And it's an amazing explanation of LLM, LLM models and how it does. And he, he put it out there. And I think that to your question, it may prevent LLMs from reaching their full potential, but I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure that's the right question. The potential we want is to actually help users and help people and help all these, you know, um, technologists to do their jobs better. I mean, that's the potential I think we want to reach. Well said. Any other thoughts on that? So um, full disclosure, um, the president of OpenAI is an investor in Datasore, but this doesn't uh, come with any bias from that and it's not uh, shedding any inside info. Um, there is a public post from OpenAI on how they trained uh, ChatGPT, right? And they laid out uh, they they spent a lot of time and effort on this, uh, trying to capture annotators from different parts of the world with different backgrounds, uh, with different cultural contexts, because they knew that the types of prompts that people in the U.S. would bring up would be very different from the types of prompts that you might get from someone um, in you know Pakistan, and so they they did their best to um, add diversity in training this. Uh, they also acknowledge that this wasn't going to be complete, uh, but this is, you know, uh, OpenAI has stated 
that one of its core missions is to advance AI for good, whatever that means. That itself is subjective, right? But they are at least putting some effort and, and have published how they are backing that up. What we don't know about that specific thread, um, about uh, the tweets about Biden versus Trump and those songs, where it starts to get opaque here is whether these are just pure LLM um, anomalies or whether there is policy being set up behind the scenes, right? Because that is something that Google for years, um, even as PageRank was, you know, all the hype and this is, it was the best search algorithm in the world, there was the top 100 search queries are very manually curated, right? Like there are people uh, personally going through for all the controversial headlines, for everything that's going on top of the hour um, every single day, there is a team of people manually curating, making sure that there's no misinformation there, that sources are flagged. They built a whole engine to make sure that this was happening. OpenAI is still relatively new to this. Microsoft has some more experience with it, but they're still figuring all of that out. So it's hard right now for me to at least discern what is pure LLM versus what is policy set by some PM within the company. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah Raniero, go ahead. If I can continue on what Ivan was saying, actually, um, it's public. Uh, it's it's not um, in a in a public uh, uh, report or paper how they did it uh, in details, but what they did with the Instruct GPT that comes soon before ChatGPT is public. And there is a lot of reinforcement learning from human feedback. And this is what Ivan was saying uh, with policies that are not really written, but uh, derived from what uh, people are, you know, marking as correct or not politi politically, uh, health-wise or, or something like that. Um, it, it's complex to say, um, are we are we uh, building AI that are biased, discriminating, that are protecting or not the races and so on? Because it's tough for humans as well. I mm. mean, uh, and in fact, they were, they were very carefully selecting all the uh, people that were doing this job as policy curating, uh, what what we should take into consideration is the responsibility, and it looks to me that uh, OpenAI is trying to do that. Of course, it's a very very tough job, uh, and then they themselves, Sam Altman, uh, as the first person, are saying, please do not use it for things that are very very important. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of your sentiment there. And Heath, I want to go to you and just sort of give you the last uh, the last word. If you've got any additional commentary on this before we move on, um, you've heard some different comments from the panel. Um, your thoughts on whether politics is a limiting factor or something that helps LLMs or, or how you view the two things? I think politics, no matter what, you know, you're going to piss someone off, whatever you say. So, um, you know, that being the case, um, I think a really good approach for ChatGPT for OpenAI might be to publish their source data, um, and that they can basically say, "Look, we're we're being fair. Um, we're we're, um, we're we're doing a good job, and not just sort of saying hey, we're getting different viewpoints from everywhere." The problem is, if you don't make that transparent, then you're going to have the impression that you're doing something and anyone who doesn't like the answer is going to say that. So, um, you know, in terms of, uh, of that, you 
they scrub. Um, sorry, I'm in Puerto Rico. So the, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're good. Sorry about that. I, I saw the uh, choppy audio. Um, you know, it, it really comes down to how transparent they're going to be about what their data sources are. And I think that's the way to alleviate perceived political bias. I mean, autocomplete, which is, you know, the, the, the sort of benign looking, hey, it finishes your search query for you. That's like the ultimate groupthink maker on the planet. If you start typing in, I think blah, blah, blah is blah, 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 and Google's basically deciding what it is that you see, they're creating the ultimate group thing with autocomplete. And then if you look at the fact that the internet was scraped for the data to make ChatGPT and Google and, and, and search engines have, 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 have put there what's on the internet, there's going to be whatever bias there is on the internet is going to go into uh, a large scale language model. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just uh, you know the facts of it. It would be really interesting to see, though, and I think we will see over time. Competitors of OpenAI make other, uh, you know, maybe less curated sources, and it's it's going to be um, you know caveat emptor in terms of um, you know what these things spit out, uh, and you know that's got to be like on the front of it. Uh, warning: This may regurgitate garbage from uh, the internet. <laughs> so. That's, uh, you know, uh, I think what needs to happen. Yeah. The only problem with caveat emptor is you have to have an educated society to understand what that means, much less heed the warning. Uh, there's a debate on whether we have that or not. Uh, it's a separate subject. That's a much longer podcast, by the way. Uh, can't fit that in right here. Um, yeah, no, look, great comments all the way around. I just, uh, we're going to be talking about these LLM-based AI models probably the, for the rest of our lives. Uh, whether we keep talking about ChatGPT or not will remain to be seen, although I do give them props. You know, they've made a lot of good moves. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's that's where we'll leave that. I want to go on to stories two and three, and I'm going to read them both, and I'm going to kind of combine them uh, in a way I'll describe in a second. The second story is from VoiceBot.ai. Amazon Alexa Fund invests $20 million in synthetic media startup Superplastic, um, which actually looks like a pretty interesting company. Um, the, uh, the other story here, uh, if my browser will let me get all the pop-ups off my screen, from Macworld, hey Siri, is Apple letting another AI opportunity pass by? Um, and this is from... Um, you know, Macworld, which <clears throat> it's hard to get them to write something even halfway negative about Apple. So these two stories, um, if you, we're going to go in the reverse order, by the way, uh, from what we just did. And, um, you know, if you, if something in particular stood out about either one, I'd love to hear it. But the question I'm going to pose to the panel uh, is, um, Alexa, you know, Amazon and Apple um, sit in an interesting place right now. You got a startup that's hogging all the spotlight, um, and Microsoft is, uh, you know, now sort of swooped in and said, "Give me that." Um, and so Amazon, who for the last five years, every single episode of this show has had a story about Alexa on it, um, and uh, and Apple, who is used to dominating every conversation they're part of too. They're kind of sitting over there 
plotting their next move. And my question is, uh, and Raniero, I'm going to start with you. What is it that Amazon and Apple should be doing right now? If you were in control, CEO of Amazon, comma, Apple, both of them at the same time, uh, what what's the most important thing they could be doing right now? Um, I, th I think they should act at uh, two levels. Uh, one is, um, let's say, operational. Let me call it like that. I mean, and and probably they are doing it. I'm pretty sure Amazon at least, but I'm pretty sure even Apple uh, are using generative models uh, somehow. Okay, for sure. Alexa is using Alexa teaching machine to create synthetic data, to train Alexa student machine, you know, um, and create their own large language model uh, for Alexa. Um, they, are, uh, they are very careful in releasing the new releases. So even though they have uh, very large language models ready since some days or some months probably, they are careful in releasing it because of the, you know, the, the boomerang effect, let me call it like that. So if there is a bad error like uh, Bard show, shown uh, last, last, last week, they, they don't want that. Uh, the, I'm pretty sure they are both doing that. What they are not doing is some more marketing approach, let me say. So with uh, big... Uh, you know, press releases on what they are doing or what they are going to do. What they missed out uh, anyway is to, to buy a research company or to participate in a research company, in a research dedicated company like OpenAI and DeepMind. And they should be looking at that as well. Yeah, no, I like that answer. And, you know, um... Siri has just been associated with being behind for some time, you know, so Apple's in a little bit different of a basket, but with Amazon, we kind of look at them like, what's wrong with you? Like you, you, we thought you were on the cutting edge of all this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, in a position to be forward thinking on everything with just the market position, Amazon, is, you know, Alexa has enjoyed and you, you got beat, you know, you open, here's open AI coming out of nowhere. And then, Here's Google Bard coming behind it. Where where are you at? Um, and Mitch, so I'm going to go to you and I'm going to ask the same question. These are two interesting stories. That, like I said, the company that is mentioned in the VoiceBot article is kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, so if that stands out for some reason, then tell me. But the main question is, what is it that Amazon and Apple ought to be spending the bulk of their time doing right now? Yeah. Um, it's a great, great place to start because I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a little bit of an, you know, kind of a me angle to it, which is it's about the user experience and it's about perception. Look at the number of um, guides and teachers and you know people trying to monetize, and they're all focused on prompt engineering. There's so many people trying to finely tune what you need to say to get the thing you want, and that's kind of the large language models. And we've been talking about that for a while. Who has about the best user experience model in the world? Apple. And so I think that, you know, if I were thinking about from their perspective, I'm not them, focus on what's the right question to ask, and we'll figure out where to get the answer. And so the generative, so do you want to 
draw an image? Do you want to, you know, create some music? Apple could probably jump into that one particular. That would be kind of fun, right? Or do you want you want some text? So it's the the front end experience. For Amazon, um, me being from a you know a little bit of a, of a contact center wonk, if you will, is they're they're taking a lot of what they've learned and they're putting it deep into Amazon Connect and the you know agent the associate augmentation models very similar what's the right question i need to ask my internal knowledge stores so that i can help the customer as quickly as possible be a co-pilot for people and i think amazon is very well taking off of alexa and lex and the two branches of lex um, to help people to do their jobs better by formulating the right questions to ask and it's amazing because they're we're still in the human-centered design or design thinking approach of it's still all about what's the right question to ask. And I would, if I were those two companies, I would focus there and that, because that's what LLMs have kind of shown. What's the right question to ask? <clears throat> that's great. No, I, I completely agree uh, with that mode of thinking. Ivan, I'm coming to you. Um, same question. Uh, if something stood out about the company and the voice bot piece, would love to hear that. Otherwise, what is it that Amazon and Apple need to be doing? Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear Heath's take on the voice bots. But uh, for the Amazon, I'll start there first. I think there's really, I'll take a slightly different approach here. Um, there is the Alexa angle, right? And unfortunately, we heard about the layoffs and Amazon is cutting down on its um, Alexa investment. Uh, so I think it's an interesting question as to what these LLMs um, really help accomplish there. Uh, I think it's been, we've seen that Alexa's business model is something that um, leaves something to be desired for, for Amazon itself, clearly. Uh, so the question is, what is the breakthrough kind of consumer angle here that um, Amazon would want to invest in? The much bigger question for them as a company is actually on the AWS side. Right. One of, you know, when OpenAI first made headlines at the beginning of the year with the Microsoft investment, um, one of the big winners in all of this, I think, was Azure. Uh, if Azure can prove to the world that they have the GPUs and capabilities to support something like OpenAI, that will bring a lot of the ecosystem to them. Right. Um, Google has GCP. They are just as worried about, you know, uh, GCP usage as they are about search. Uh, and so, Amazon here has some catching up to do. So they need to figure out what their play in the ecosystem is, how to make sure that people are developing AI on Amazon SageMaker, their, um, uh, what I forget, It's there's a parrot name to their like speech to text capabilities as well. Um, but we need to see what they're doing on that front, right? Uh, and finally on, for Apple, and legal disclaimer, I'll speak here as a technology enthusiast and Apple consumer, as opposed to an ex-employee. Um, I think the bigger headline would have been if Apple was already in the fray, right? Apple just doesn't do this kind of thing. They don't, can you imagine if they launch something as experimental as this Bing chat GPT on Siri? Like the headlines would be a hundred X more um, all over the headlines, right? Anything Apple does is immediate news. So it's not in their nature to ever um, launch experimental products. They never do something like this, then pull it back later. They need to find the, um, the core user experience that they want to deliver 
It's not about the technology. It's about that user experience. And once they discover that, they will release it, whether that's next year or in five years, we don't know. But I think that's a more interesting philosophical question about LLMs as a whole. What is the killer user experience that we're looking to deliver here? I might debate you a little bit on Apple releasing what Apple does and doesn't release. We don't have time for that discussion. Uh, actually, I won't. Um, <laughs> but I will. I will agree with you. I, certainly, in in the post Steve Jobs era, um, they they take a little bit different of an approach. And I, I think it would be kind of crazy to imagine them being on the front lines of this now. I, your comments are well taken, Heath. I'm going to give you the last word. Um, <laughs> Any, if uh, if anything stood out about super plastic, uh, pointed out otherwise, what is it exactly that Amazon and Apple need to be doing right now? So I'll take the Amazon super plastic investment first. Um, so, you know, when I saw super plastic, and I hadn't heard of them before I read this article. Um, wow, this looks a lot like Ready Player Me, which is a startup that I'm an investor in almost every round, including the last round, which was Andrew Burley's back, $56 million round. Uh, and it looks like, you know, sort of those synthetic avatars, uh, 3D uh, metaverse play that they're getting ready to make, um, something that they're going to push, uh, you know, potentially. Uh, into VR uh, AR space with if you're going to try to get young people involved with, get people excited about uh, these sort of synthetic celebrities that they're creating. Um, and, and it looks quite a bit like that based on the trailers that I've seen. Uh, it seems really, really interesting, but you know, imagine sort of this world, this new uh, you know, metaverse world that everyone's seeing up there. You have, uh, you know, Everyone looks a certain way they want to look, and not like just me and you in a, in a video chat, but you know, like a, like rabbit with, with you know giant ears and a crazy outfit uh, in three D. And I think that's sort of what Amazon's trying to tap into a little bit of that consumer angle and, and excitement. It, to me, looks like it could be a good, a good, um, you know, a good television show essentially. Um, let's see where that goes. Um, I think that Amazon, if I were Amazon to answer that question, uh, just what I would do, I would basically become a uh, hugging face and I would start posting uh, AI models uh, directly on EC2, uh, show off our GPU capabilities, uh, make it really super easy for anyone to integrate AI. I feel like Microsoft wins around on AI, hands down. They crush it, they beat Google fonts. Uh, you have, um, you know, Google One Search, uh, Apple One Product, Amazon One Retail, and in terms of Microsoft, this is their huge win. And that $10 billion investment, they're going to get right back because they're licensing, they're, they're giving the GPUs that are getting cranked 24-7, and they're going to get that thing right back. So I think that that's, uh, you know, a wise investment, and, and, and essentially they're investing in the ability to build out their own GPA structures run that type of AI tech. Um, Apple, I think, um, you know, Apple doesn't do things the way a lot of other companies do. They traditionally don't really advertise. Um, but one thing they do is they make really killer, beautiful hardware. I think they were going to see Apple uh, jump into the, the space when you have a really clean, 
uh, product and vision and something that is, uh, you know, probably a VR headset is going to be my guess is, is how they're going to get into that, that sort of space. Apple already does a great job of supporting artificial intelligence with core ML. They have their own processors. So saying they're not in the phrase is not true. They have uh, the M series chips which support inference directly on the chip without NVIDIA. And no one else has really done that. I mean, AMD to some extent, but if you want to run inference, you need an NVIDIA GPU or custom hardware or, you know, very expensive hardware, but you could run inference on a Mac. You could even run inference on an iPhone. You can port any ML model foreseeably into core ML, and then you could run it right on the device. So I think Apple's done a great job of that. And also I feel really confident as a developer, if I'm putting my proprietary AI model onto uh, or ML model onto a device, I know that if I convert it into core ML and put it on an iPhone, it's not going to get ripped out by everybody. It's going to be really secure. Uh, and uh, so I feel good about what Apple's doing from a, you know, from a platform perspective. I think that they, that they're smart. So I want to give you a chance to summarize briefly what you said about Amazon, because it was a little choppy. If you just if you restate ah. it quick. So, yeah. So Amazon, um, you know, from the beginning, I guess Amazon's sort of, uh, you know, investing in this startup because they want to be part of the hip metaverse. And it looks like those 3D models, they remind me a lot of Ready Player Me. Uh, Ready Player Me is a startup, that, you know, full disclosure, I'm an investor. Uh, last round was alongside Andreessen Horowitz, $56 million round, very big round. Probably the smartest founder in that space, uh, Timu, is the founder of that uh, startup. And, um, you know, I think that Amazon is sort of missing the boat on that augmented and virtual reality world and metaverse. And that's sort of what this investment's about. And they're thinking, we could make a show on this. We could have, you know, these properties on Amazon Prime. We can make custom avatars for people. We can get into that sort of immersive space. And that's their leap into it. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's, uh, those are, those are some great thoughts. So good comments all the way around and uh, good to go on record talking about Amazon and Apple. Who would have thought they're playing second fiddle uh, these days? That's a technical term for all the 20 plus years I lived in Nashville. Um, yeah, look, appreciate all of y'all taking the time to share your experience and your expertise with not just me, but the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. For this week in voice, season eight, episode five. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on your podcast provider of choice, thank you for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, until next time. <laughs>